0: Hi, it's Leonard. For some reason, there's a little bit of hissing and knocking during the first minute or two of this episode. I can't figure out where it's coming from, but I just wanted to let you know that if you stick with it, it will go away. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate more effectively in difficult situations, both personal and professional. I'm your host, Leonard S. Greenberger. Today we're going to continue discussing the traps that you can step into when communicating in difficult situations and how you can avoid them, especially when you're in a public meeting setting that could become potentially hostile. In the last episode, we discussed the preparation trap, or not being well-prepared and well-rehearsed, So that you can tell your good story well, the humor trap, which is best avoided by simply eliminating any use of humor in a difficult situation, and the negatives trap, which you can fall into if you use too many negative words, even if your intention is to send a positive message. For example, if someone were to ask you if the new facility you propose to build will be dangerous, and you respond by saying, no, it won't be dangerous, that's a negative trap. Instead, you can respond in a positive way by saying, actually, our facility is going to be very safe, and let me tell you why. Before we jump into our next set of traps, a quick callback to our last episode. While I was discussing the preparation trap, I related the story of Senator Ted Kennedy's interview with Roger Mudd as Kennedy was gearing up to run for the presidency in 1980. That interview was a disaster and was widely seen as ending Kennedy's candidacy before it really even began. Uh, because the senator was not prepared to answer some very easy questions that Mudd asked him, including, Senator Kennedy, why do you want to be president? Well, Roger Mudd passed away on March 9th at the age of 93 after a long and distinguished career in broadcast news. And now, on to our trap for today. The first is going to be what I call the hedges trap. We use hedges all the time. They typically take the form of a phrase that removes some degree of certainty from a statement. Things like, as far as I know, well, it really depends, in my opinion. And in normal situations and everyday conversations that are not difficult, hedges are just fine. Uh, In fact, they tend to bolster uh, trust and credibility because they suggest a more precise assessment of accuracy. But you have to remember that in tough situations, people perceive everything you say and do through the most negative possible filter. If there's a positive way of viewing something and a negative way of viewing something, we've talked about, for example, nonverbal cues like the way you use your eyes and hands. In a difficult situation where there is high concern about what you're doing or trying to communicate and a low level of trust in you as a source of information, The people you're trying to communicate with are going to view everything through the most negative filters. So everything you do with your eyes that is incorrect is going to damage your credibility and therefore your code score. Rather than being seen as honest, um, hedges are interpreted in difficult situations as dishonest and distracting. So if you hedge in response to a credibility question from someone who is angry, worried, and suspicious... The questioner is going to believe that you're doing it to give yourself a certain amount of wiggle room. You're not willing to promise. You're not willing to say something definitive about the question that he's asked. And that person, that angry, worried, and suspicious person, is going to conclude that you're not willing to take a firm stand because maybe you're not really sure what's going on, or even worse, you know exactly what's going on, but you're trying to hide it from them. A quick aside here, I distinguish between what I call credibility questions, which are aimed right at your credibility, that if you don't answer well, are going to knock down your code score. And then there are fact questions, which are more straightforward, that are when people are simply asking for facts and data that you can supply to them to help them understand a certain issue or to answer a question that they have. Hedges are okay in response to fact questions when you don't know an absolutely precise Answer If somebody were to ask, for example, exactly how many gallons of wastewater is going to be generated by the plant that you intend to build, and you don't have a specific number, you can hedge there a little. But try to keep even those to a minimum. And if you do have to hedge in response to a fact question, promise the person who has asked the question that you'll get back to them with a specific figure in a certain amount of time and make sure that you follow through. Now, the best way to avoid the hedge trap or to climb out of it if you fall in is with certainty and support for that certainty. In an earlier episode, I discussed an executive that my firm helped to train who appeared at a public meeting at his local high school to explain why a nuclear power plant that his company owned and operated had leaked some radioactive water into the local lake. It was a very difficult situation, as you can imagine, Uh, But the executive pulled it off by doing everything right when it came to risk communication and communicating in a difficult situation. When some of the people in the audience that evening in that high school asked him if they and their families were safe, his response wasn't, I think you and your families are safe. His response was, you and your families are safe, and here's why. And if you slip up and use a hedge, look for an opportunity to go back and correct that mistake. If you never get the chance to, just keep going and avoid using any more hedges. The next trap I'd like to discuss is called the guarantee trap. And the guarantee trap is particularly tricky. And activists who are trained to come in and erode your trust and credibility are very fond of it. Going back to this power plant executive that we trained, when we prepared him for this meeting, we spent a lot of time on the guarantee trap because we anticipated that someone in the audience was going to ask whether he could guarantee that no one would be harmed by that leak of radioactive water from his power plant. We anticipated that someone in his audience would ask whether he could guarantee that no one would be harmed by the leak from his power plant. And we all know that there are no guarantees in life, so it would seem that you only have two choices when stuck in this trap. One would be to acknowledge that there are no guarantees and thereby lead your audience to believe that the risk you're imposing on them is very real and therefore must be resisted at all costs, and that's going to just destroy your code score and your ability to win people over in difficult situations, or to make a guarantee that you know you can't back up, which ultimately will also subtract openness points from your code score, not to mention the possibility, however remote, that you'll get sued, or it'll come back to bite you sometime later on. Fortunately, there is a way to sidestep this trap. There is a third way to go when asked a guarantee question, and that is to do this. Rather than guaranteeing what the questioner has asked, say what you can guarantee. So let's say the power plant executive had gotten the following question from somebody in the audience. I want to guarantee that my family isn't going to get sick because of the leak from your plant. The wrong way to respond to that is to say something like, I think we all know that I can't guarantee that because there are no guarantees in life. That is not going to earn you any code scores. That is only going to erode the trust and credibility that you're trying to establish and maintain with your audience. It's also wrong to say I can absolutely guarantee that your family won't get sick because somebody in the family may get sick having absolutely nothing to do with the radioactive water leaked into the lake, but they're never going to believe that it was anything but that leak. So here's what I would consider to be the right way to respond to that. Let me tell you what I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that the chances of anyone in your family getting sick are incredibly small. As I've said, I told my own family... After I learned about the leak, that they're perfectly safe, and they've been swimming and boating on the lake all summer, I can also guarantee you that I will do whatever it takes to prevent something like this from ever happening again. And finally, I can guarantee you that we will share everything we learned about this incident with you so you know exactly what's going on, and we will share with you what we're doing to clean up the leak and to make sure that something like this never happens again. That's harder, of course. That's a pretty long response to that question. But going all the way back to the very first trap we discussed in the last episode, the preparation trap, you simply have to be prepared to answer questions like that. You've got to have responses like the one I just gave memorized in your hip pocket, ready to pull out and deploy when the question gets asked. The next trap is called the worst case scenario trap, or it's also known as the hypothetical trap. And it involves making guesses about what might happen if the worst possible scenario were to play out. There's never a good time to engage in that kind of speculation, I would argue, in normal communication situations or difficult communication situations. Because it will only make the real risk, whatever it may be, seem that much larger. The best way to avoid this trap is with what's called a bridge. Many years ago, my firm helped to prepare the CEO of a food company to testify before Congress regarding a salmonella outbreak. Now, his company was not responsible for the outbreak, but he got caught up in the congressional investigation because the outbreak started in one of his customers' facilities. I'll call him Mr. Dawson. We spent a lot of time rehearsing. We spent a lot of time rehearsing, particularly answers to several different worst-case scenario questions that we expected him to be asked. Now, he never got one of those questions but he was ready for an exchange like the following. We anticipated that a congressman may ask him something like, given the amount of tainted meat that got into the food supply, what's the maximum number of people who could get sick? And we had prepared him with this response. Congressman, rather than speculate, I think we should focus on what we know to be true. We know that about 400 people got sick, and that's unacceptable. Even one case of salmonella poisoning is too many. We know that, fortunately, everyone who got sick has recovered. If this trap catches you and you do respond directly to a hypothetical, try to bridge back to a more specific response as quickly as you can. This is one of those cases when it's okay to admit a mistake by saying something like this. And in this scenario, let's say that the CEO we prepared, Mr. Dawson, did get a question like that from a congressman but didn't answer it well and has an opportunity to go back and try again by saying something like, you know, I made a mistake responding to a hypothetical question earlier, and that's an unproductive exercise that may leave people with the wrong impression of what happened. I would really prefer to stick to what we know to be true, which in this case is, and then go into the specifics. And the last trap I want to talk about today is the deception or dishonesty trap. And If you fall into this trap, it's simply impossible to climb out. Once members of an angry, worried, and suspicious audience have decided that you're trying to mislead them or deceive them or that you're outright lying to them, your code score will be irreparably damaged. The O in code, of course, stands for openness and honesty, and it's an essential component of trust and credibility. If you are deceptive and dishonest, you might as well just pack up your things and go home. And since there's no way out of this trap, the only recourse is simply not to fall into it. But it's important to keep in mind that being deceitful or dishonest is not the same as saying you don't know or making a mistake. Even in a difficult situation, people will forgive you as long as you promise to provide an answer or acknowledge or take the time to correct a mistake you may have made. This trap will also catch you if you try to cover up, which is so often worse than the crime itself. It certainly was for President Clinton, who was impeached, not for having an affair with Monica Lewinsky, which is the way most people remember it, but for lying about it, specifically perjury and obstruction of justice during taped grand jury testimony. If he had simply acknowledged the affair, suffered the embarrassment, he almost certainly would not have been impeached. While honesty, as the saying goes, is the best policy You may find yourself in tough situations where telling the truth isn't so simple. The truth can be subjective, and even if it is objective, your audience and your opponents, if they exist, may not accept it anyway. In many cases, litigation is a real possibility for companies, and attorneys may prohibit you from sharing the whole truth. In these circumstances, you should share as much of the truth as you can and back it up with stories, facts, and data, and be sure to have very good reasons for why you can't share all of the truth if that's the case. In my experience, legal issues are usually what stand in the way. Uh, Fortunately, I've found that audiences, even in tough situations, usually accept the threat of litigation as an acceptable reason for holding back information. And if you know when you will be able to share information, say so and follow up. And of course, it's also okay to respond to questions by saying you simply don't know the answer that can happen to you even if you're very well prepared sometimes somebody's going to throw a question at you that you simply don't know the answer for in those cases tell people you don't know the answer but promise them that you will find out and follow up within a certain amount of time and then make sure that you do so those are our four traps for today again the hedges trap the guarantee trap the worst-case scenario or hypothetical trap, and the deception and dishonesties trap. And in our next episode, we'll continue with this discussion of traps. Thank you, as always, to Jim Cirillo of jimiumgroup.com for our original music. Thank you to my daughter, Rachel Greenberger, for our original podcast art. Please send questions to WTSWTGT at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at hashtag WTSWTGT. And please, if you have a moment and you enjoy the podcast, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform that you're listening. And until next time, always be positive.